Um, I, I want to share something on the front end, which is so cool. Okay, so last week, um, I kind of bared my soul a little bit and, uh, and shared where we're at as a church and talked about the need uh, that we've had for a number of months to create some more space, uh, particularly in this service. And uh, so we've talked about the need to, I talked about the need to, what we're going to do is start providing Mosaic Kids for the early service and, um, and create, uh, have some people from here that are some of our core families uh, move to that early service and free up some space. So anyway, so I, I shared this need uh, with the community, uh, with Mosaic, and shared with you that we needed 15 new Mosaic Kids volunteers last week, and uh, which is kind of a big ask, you know. Like, I had some people come up to me, and they're like, I don't like kids <laughs> at all, <laughs> but I'm going to consider it, you know. Um, but this week, I got a, a message, a Facebook message from Sarah Thomas, who heads up our Mosaic Kids in the middle of the week, and she's like, I am just being inundated every day with people who want to step up and serve and invest in our kids. And so she shared with me this morning that we had 22 from this community, like, step up. Yeah. How awesome is that? So cool. And what that means, a cool thing for those of you who are part of that 22, uh, what that means for our kids, uh, those who are investing in kids, uh, really only need to serve like once a month. Um, so we'll keep our volunteers fresh and invest in kids and create some more space. And so, what can I say? I love, I love my church. Pretty awesome. Um, and that, by the way, is just what you guys do. You always step up. So this week, um, we start a new series and start a new series called uh, He Will Be Called. And, and what we're doing in this series is, uh, you know, this last series was really oriented around uh, doing a lot. You know, we talked about what it means to be the church and kind of to do church. And there's a lot of action, a lot of call to action. And in this series, uh, we want to kind of slow down a little bit and, and look really specifically at the, at the person of Jesus. And we're going to look at four names um, that were written about Jesus, actually, about 700 years or so before he was born by the prophet Isaiah. And it's a pretty popular verse around Christmas time, and this is, this is what it says. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so what we're going to do is, for the next four weeks, is we're going to take a week on each of those names and look at the person of Jesus. And so this morning, uh, we're going to look at this first name for Jesus, uh, which is Wonderful Counselor. Now, in our very kind of mentally health era that we live in, um, I'm going to venture to guess that there's some, like when you hear the word counselor, uh, you probably think of counseling, uh, which might tempt you to think of Jesus as kind of like a, a, a divine Dr. Phil with more facial hair who wants to help you with your inner child. Um, and we kind of can project onto Jesus this, and that's, that's very different, right? Because that kind of gives this picture of, of, you know, Jesus, like a Jesus hotline, right? And if you will, uh, hi, this is Jesus. Thank you for calling, second person, the Trinity. Uh, we'd love to help you uh, if there is helping you. Uh, so to help us direct your call, please choose from the following options. Uh, if you're OCD, uh, obsessive, compulsive, uh, please press one repeatedly every half second and then clean the phone when you're finished. <laughs> if, uh, you have, uh, if you're codependent, um, please ask somebody nearby to press number two for you. <laughs> if you have multiple personalities, uh, please press three, four, five, and six at this time. Uh, if you're paranoid... Uh, we know who you are, we know where you live, and why you are calling. And we will be tracking this call. Uh, if you're schizophrenic, please listen carefully to the voice in your head that will tell you what to press. Um, if you suffer from depression, 
Uh, it doesn't matter which number you press, it will be the wrong one. <laughs> a little too close to home. Uh, if you suffer from short-term memory loss, please call back later. And if you have low self-esteem, please hang up because all of our operators are too busy to talk to you. Now, I don't say that. I don't say that to make fun of mental health. All right? Don't send me emails. Uh, that's not why I say that. Uh, in fact, if anything, I, I say that just to kind of humorously illustrate uh, the fact that we oftentimes we project onto God um, our own feelings sometimes that we have towards ourselves, assuming that God feels about us how we feel about us, and, and bring to our understanding of God uh, some of our really bad past experiences and, and our assumptions rather than letting God reveal to us uh, who he is, rather than letting Jesus reveal to us who he is. And so this morning we're going to look at Jesus, uh, the wonderful counselor. Now, now the English words that we have, wonderful counselor, comes from two Hebrew words, and those two Hebrew words are peleyats. Peleyats. Say that after me. Pele. Peleyats. There you go. You know a little bit of Hebrew. Congratulations. Peleyats, or pele, uh, means in the Hebrew... Uh, the one who excels at soccer. Uh, no, not really. Um, Pele actually means uh, beyond understanding. It means beyond understanding. It means too wonderful for words. So when, when Isaiah was writing about this one who would, be, would come, this child who would be sent to us, he's saying he's too wonderful for words. Words cannot contain him. Uh, he is too awesome, too wonderful for words. He is wonder-filled. And then he says yachts is, is this second word that we, we get our word counselor from. And, and it means to advise. Right? It means to consult, to guide. And so he says, one day, you know, a son will be born, a child will be given to us, his name will be Pele Yats. He will be our wonder-filled guide, the one who is beyond understanding, our wonderful counselor. Right? And I think that this is a really good strategic time uh, to be having this particular conversation for, for a couple different reasons. All right, first of all, we just got done with Thanksgiving, right? which means Christmas is, is going to be here before we know it. And things get very, very busy. And, and I don't know like, how Christmas is for you, but for me, I absolutely love Christmas. It's, like, it's my favorite holiday. Um, we had all the lights on our house and our tree up weeks ago. All right, so we're like that family, you know, like that house on the block that everyone's like, really? Because uh, I, love, I love Christmas. Like when I think of Christmas, it brings to mind good memories. And, and it tends to be a really good season for us. But I know that that's... That's not true of everybody. Um, Christmas, the, the Christmas season in particular, has this way of amplifying things, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's like the good things, oftentimes they seem better than they actually are. And, and the same is true of the negative things, right? The negative things, oftentimes they seem worse, which is one of the reasons that, you know, you see things like depression and, and like suicide spike and, and peak around the holidays. Uh, so, you know, as things get busier, and as, as things just kind of speed up from now until Christmas, I want to carve out a little time for us to slow down as a community and, and to look at Jesus, uh, the wonderful counselor. Now, the second reason that I think uh, this is a great time for us to come face-to-face -face with Jesus, the wonderful counselor, um, is that although he's not a therapist, um, in many ways he is, he is a doctor. Uh, he is a healer. And the truth is that we're sick. We're sick. Every single one of us. We're, we're sick. There's a story in the, in the scriptures, it's an interesting one, where Jesus, um, some of you know it, where Jesus calls a tax collector named Levi to be one of his disciples. And if you know anything about tax collectors, uh, they got no respect. They were not well-liked. They were corrupt. They were thieves. 
um, they, were, they were not well liked. And they were about as far from godly, you know, as you can about imagine. And so he, he calls this tax collector to be one of his disciples. And Levi throws a huge party, uh, as you would imagine. And he invites all of his wild friends to come meet Jesus, right? Uh, so, that, you know, it's probably a kegger. And the people that are there are very wild and not very controlled. And they have bad reputations. These are very notorious sinners. And all the religious people start freaking out. They're like, what, what is he doing? Why would Jesus spend time with that riffraff? And this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Jesus says this. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I have come, uh, I've not come to call the righteous, but who? I've come to call sinners to repentance. Now, as religious people, religious people normally read this, and we might go, hmm, right? and then we read on, right? uh, and we think of others, right? Even if we're as missionally minded religious people, uh, I think oftentimes we read this, and we don't think about us, we think about other people. And at Mosaic, we talk a lot, I mean, we talk a lot about this mission, right, that we are the sent ones. Uh, we are this movement of God's grace, uh, you know, this uh, in partnership with, with Jesus, the wonderful counselor. Um, but if we're really honest, I mean, to more accurately reflect it, I think, in our language, it's not, guys, it's not like the believers are here and all the unbelievers are out there. I think more accurately, uh, the truth is, is that we're all unbelievers, right? I mean, we are. Like, there's areas of your life and there's areas of my life that are not characterized by belief, uh, they're characterized by unbelief. Right? So the truth is, like, we're, we're all sick in our own way, somewhere. For some of us in multiple areas, we're all sick in some way. And the good news is, is that Jesus came for the sick. Right, so as we begin, I just want to ask you, where, where are you sick? Right, where do you hurt? Right, maybe for you, as we go into this Christmas season, right, it brings up a lot of bad memories. And you're one of those people uh, that really struggles with depression, especially during this time of year. And there's this heaviness, and there's this kind of this emptiness, uh, and this just this crushing reality. And if you're really honest, you'd say, you know what? Most days, I don't have any hope that tomorrow's going to be any better than today. And that's because, like all of us, right, you're sick. For others of you, it's, it's fear, and you live in this constant state of fear. And there's this anxiety, and you try to control everything in your life, and when things feel out of your control, you get very, very anxious, and you're very, very... Uh, afraid, right? Maybe for you, um, it's more of a financial stress. And, and you're thinking, you know what? We're struggling to pay bills the way that it is, and Christmas is coming. How in the world are we going to do this with gifts? How are we going to get through this? How are we going to purchase these gifts? Are we just going to put them on the credit card? Is that what we're going to have to do? And for others of you, it's loneliness. And around Christmas time, right, you see all these happy families, and that's not your reality. And you see them, and it just triggers something inside of you. It's like, why, why is that not my experience? Why am I alone? Why do I sleep alone? Why do I eat alone? And you hate it. Absolutely hate it, because there's, there's a sickness. For some of you, it's, it's a relationship, maybe something that somebody did to you, and there's this hurt, there's this anger, and you stuff it the best of your ability, but every now and then something just triggers it again. And there it is. You're like, what was that? That's because... You're sick. So how about you? As we begin, where, where are you sick? If you'll go there with me and ask it yourself, right? Because here's the thing. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, he wants to heal you. He can heal you. 
But before he can, you've got to be brutally honest. Brutally honest with him. And brutally honest with yourself. Where you're sick. Right? Last week, uh, I did something that was very uncomfortable for me in bearing my soul and just sharing kind of where I'm at in this season. And um, if you weren't here, I just shared that for me, um, I'm absolutely exhausted and uh, very tired and have been living on adrenaline and energy drinks for a number of months, and I just hit a wall in these last uh, few weeks. And um, I didn't listen to the podcast or anything, so I don't know exactly how it came out, but how I usually explain where I'm at is I start, I start pointing to all the issues in my life that make sense as to why I feel this way, right? We lost Kevin, our associate pastor, in the summer, and I absorbed a lot of what he was doing. Uh, I'm a full-time grad student on top of being a full-time pastor and husband and dad, and just start putting my finger on all these things, you know. I, I, it's not uncommon for me to skip uh, a night of sleep uh, at least once a week just to work through the night. And uh, that's, that's my reality. And, and so in some ways it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense, right? It's almost like a badge of honor sometimes. Like, oh, I work so hard. Look at me. You know what I mean? But the truth is, like, if I'm really honest, right, as I've been working through this and, and coming to Jesus, the wonderful counselor, and, and coming to grips with my own sickness. Right? The, the issue is so much deeper than that. So much deeper than that. And, and honestly, I wasn't really willing to be honest about this until a couple months ago. Megan and I sat down with a, an older married couple who have been in ministry together for longer than I've been alive. Very wise. Uh, much wiser than myself. And we're sitting down with them, and this kind of came out for the first time. Kind of where I'm at, how tired I am, and whatever. And this guy's wife looks at me, and she goes, there is something profoundly broken inside of you. I was like, no, there's not. You know, like this pride like swelled up in me. I was like, no, I just, I work hard. I have goals, which is good. I, I have ambition and dreams for this church and the city. And, and, you know, just like, you know, just trying to justify it, right? It's kind of like in high school. Do you ever have like the, the class where they taught you how to interview well? And you take every negative and try to make it a positive. So when your employer's like, what's your biggest weakness? You know, like we heard about your greatest strengths, but what are your weaknesses? And you're like, oh, I'm just such a perfectionist. I just work so hard until the job is done right. Isn't that awful? Great for you, bad for me, you know? Um, and we do that like with God. And this is like what I'm doing in this moment. I'm justifying it. And she just really starts leaning in. And she says, okay, like, do you really think God needs you to work all night at the expense of your health, at the expense of your family. Like, do, you, are you, do you really think God needs you that bad? Do you think you're that important? It's like, oh. You know, she goes, and she, she goes, do you really think that this is his church or is this your church? Like, do you really have that little faith? I was like, oh, ouch, you know? And honestly, I was ticked. Like, I left that, and I was just like, that the nerve of that woman. <laughs> she doesn't know me, you know? Um, but honestly, her words have been haunting me for weeks. And, and as I, I'm coming and listening to the wonderful counselor that is Jesus, I'm just coming to grips with the fact that she's exactly right. right? Even though I'll say, you know, this is Jesus' church, and, and I trust you, and it's all about faith, I'm working like it's all about me. Um, and so he's just rocking me. And it's, it's hard, isn't it, to admit that we need help, to admit that, we have, that we're sick. 
But before we can go any further, I mean, before you can experience any amount of healing, before God can do anything in those areas of your life, right, we've got to get brutally honest about where we're sick, come face to face with our own brokenness, and invite him into that. Now, that's the first thing. Secondly, second thing we've got to do is we've got to listen. We've got to listen to the counselor's voice. We've got to listen to what Jesus, the wonderful counselor, desires to say to us. There's, there's this story uh, where Jesus takes a couple of his disciples up on this mountain. And Jesus is going to uh, commune with his father. And uh, he's up there, and God shows up in this incredible way. And the disciples are freaking out because uh, God shows up in this cloud, something they'd never seen before, and, and not really sure what to do in this moment. And so God has their attention like he's never had their attention before. And this is, this is what God says to them, to his disciples in this moment. This is Mark uh, chapter 9, verse 7. Listen to this. So then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud and said, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. For some of you this morning, those are the three words you've got to hear. Listen. Listen to Jesus. Why? Well, he's God. He's your creator. Right? He sees the things that you cannot see. He knows the things that you cannot know, and he knows you better than you know yourself. Right? In psychology, there's, um, there's something called the Jahari window, and it's this, this fascinating character matrix. Uh, uh, not character matrix. It's a personality matrix about uh, knowledge of self, perception of self, uh, and others. There's these four quadrants, right? And so the first quadrant uh, is called the arena quadrant. And uh, this, is, this is those things about you that you know about you and other people know about you, right? So this is like who you are on stage when everybody's looking in your day-to-day -day life. This is, this is the, those parts of you that you make available for public consumption, right, if you will. This is, this is publicly who you are, the things you know about you and the things that other people know about you too. Right? But then the second quadrant is the, the facade quadrant. Right, so it, it is what it sounds like. These are those things that you know about you, but nobody else knows about you. Right, so those are those parts of you that this is who you are when nobody else is looking. Uh, this is when, when the lights are off, right, when you're home alone, um, when you're off the microphone. This is the, these, these are, there are parts of you in this, in this arena. Right, these are, there's some deep uh, frustrations, some dis disappointments with your life, some huge failures. Things that, that you don't put out there. Things that you don't want other people to know. There, there might be some things here that are they're dreams. That God is perhaps starting to stir inside of you, but maybe that you haven't put words to. Um, this is the facade, right? Those things that you know, but other people don't know. Then the third quadrant is uh, the blind spot quadrant. All right, so these are those things that other people know about you, but you don't know about you. All right, this is, this is the American Idol syndrome, right? You don't know you can't sing but everybody else knows you can't sing, right? This is what makes it a great TV show. The first couple few weeks of American Idol, it's great television. All right, these are those areas of your life where you're just blind to the reality of yourself, how you are, how you're received, some, some character issues. Like this is, this is those areas of your life where you need some prophets in your life, some people to speak up and say, hey, you got something in your teeth, or you got some issues. All right, if you don't deal with these, uh, they're going to creep up on you, and you're gonna, they're going to cost you in the long run. This is, this is kind of like the, the Paul and Timothy relationship. Paul was this person for Timothy. He loved Timothy, but he said some hard things to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I know you're afraid, man, but don't be timid. That's not, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, right, but of courage. Right? So don't let people look down on you because you're young. And we all need those 
those personalities to, to speak truth into our life. These are those things that, that other people see in us, but we don't see in ourselves yet. All right, but then there's a fourth quadrant. Remember, this is, this is pipe psychology, this, this is, or pop psychology. This is based on uh, kind of Myers-Briggs ideas. And the fourth quadrant is called the unknown quadrant. Right? And these are those things that you don't know about you and other people don't know about you. Right? That you're not even aware of these things that are true about yourself, and neither are other people, but they're there, and they're true. Right? I would submit to you that these are those things that only Jesus, the wonderful counselor, knows about you. Right? He knows your weaknesses. He knows your vulnerabilities. He knows your blind spots. He knows your drug of choice. He knows your issues, uh, your, your, your sin that you return to. Um, he knows where you've come from. And he knows where you're going. Right? He knows your, not just your weaknesses, but he knows your strength, too. The things that you're good at. The dormant potential that lies in your life. And he knows the plans that he has for you but he also knows what needs to happen in your life in order to get you there. The things that he wants to accomplish through your life, but what needs to happen in you so that he can do that through you. And only he knows those things. He knows exactly what you need right now in this season. And nobody else knows that. Not even you know that. Which is why we so desperately need the wonderful counselor uh, to hear his voice. I mean, have you ever noticed... Right, when you open up uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you read about Jesus and his ministry, you ever noticed how differently he responds to different people? Right, sometimes they're the exact same or very similar situations, and Jesus responds to one person one way and another person another way. So there's, there's a story about his good friend Lazarus uh, who dies. And, and Lazarus has two surviving sisters, Mary and Martha, uh, who show up a couple times in the Gospels, and, and they both come to Jesus at the funeral. And they say the exact same thing within just a few verses of each other. And Jesus responds in two completely different ways. Right? So, so Martha comes up and she says, Jesus, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And Jesus' response to her is, hey, I'm the re resurrection. I'm the life. Right? He, he leans into her. He kind of comes after her. He says, how do you not get this yet? Right? It's never too late with me. I am the wonderful counselor. I'm the creator. I'm Jesus. Right? It's never too late with me. You've got to get this, Martha. How do you not get this yet? I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Right? Then, just a few verses later, Mary says almost the exact same thing, word for word, and says, Jesus, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And in this moment, Jesus doesn't give a lecture. He doesn't give a sermon. There's no advice. There's no words. Instead, he just weeps. And he enters into the pain with her in that moment. Why does he do that? Because he's the wonderful counselor. Because these two very different people need two very different things, even in the exact same situation. He knows where Mary has come from and where she's going. He knows where Martha has come from and where she's going and what he wants to do in and through their life. And so what we find with Jesus is there's never a template because he's the perfect counselor, the wonderful counselor. He knows exactly what we need, which is why we so desperately need him, to listen to him, the wonderful counselor. Uh, Jesus said this in John uh, chapter 10, verse 27. He said, My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. All right. They might say, how? Okay, uh, fair enough. How? Uh, how, do, how do I hear the voice of Jesus? And, and I, would, I would say to you that, that Jesus speaks into our lives in a lot of different ways. 
right? If you open up the scriptures, I promise you, I promise you he will speak in your life uh, through that. Uh, for me, some of the most uh, poignant moments where God has spoken most clearly in my life is when he's just taken things that I've read before and he brings them to mind exactly when I need them and speaks truth in my life that way. Right, it might, for you, it might, be, uh, it might even be through this morning. It might even be through a sermon, go figure. Right, I actually have conversations with people fairly regularly, and they'll share with me things where they'll say, they'll say, you know, when you said this, it was like God was saying that aloud to me. And I'll, th- and I'll just tell them, I didn't say that. You know, that wasn't in my notes. It's not on the podcast. Go back and listen to it. But God has spoke, and they thought I said it, but it wasn't. Is God speaking in their life? And God might do that to you this morning, perhaps, in a very specific way. It might be through the person sitting next to you. It might be through a coworker. It might be through the person in your life group. Right? It might be just as uh, this gal spoke into my life and rocked my world a couple months ago. Right? It might be that, that prophet in your life who speaks in your life, and, and God speaks to you uh, that way. Um, it might be through your circumstances. It could be through uh, even a song. Um, could be through a daily devotion. Uh, you name it. Um, but here's the thing. When you listen and when you choose to, to, to seek to hear his voice and you ask for that, you become more aware and you can actually train yourself to, to begin to hear God's voice. Um, you know, uh, after the 11 o'clock every week, it's like chaos in here, right? Everybody's talking, the music's pumping and there's kids like running all over the place. I can tell you in those moments when Paige or Chloe says to me, dad, from across the room, and I know it's their voice. I hear them from across the room amidst the clutter, amidst all the other kids. I know when they're my kids, right? Because in a way, I've trained myself to hear their voice, right? It's the exact same thing uh, in following Jesus. It's a process, uh, but it's something that we develop over time, all right? So we got to get brutally honest about where, where we're at. We got to listen to His voice, and thirdly, very interconnected to this, we have to do what the counselor tells us to do, even when it hurts even when it costs us something, even when we, we don't even understand uh, why, we got to listen. Right throughout the Old Testament, God, God calls his people. He says, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. And then, you know, next verse is, they harden their hearts, right? Um, it's like the same story over and over and over. Hebrews talks about this too. And, and it talks about this when we, we are given choices every single day, right? To either, either be obedient or to be disobedient. And in those moments, how we choose affects our ability to hear the voice of the wonderful counselor. It tells us that when we choose to disobey over time, what ends up happening is our hearts become hard and our ears become very dull of hearing. And over time, that voice that at one time uh, we could hear and respond to gets quieter and quieter and quieter. Right? And this presents us with some of us, some of you, with kind of a scary possibility to consider this morning. Or because I know in a room this size, because we're human and we're sinners and this world is broken, that there are people in this room that have some deep issues, sin issues, areas of your life where you don't just fall every now and then, because we all do that. But I'm talking about areas where there's just repeated disobedience. Or you're given the choice and repeatedly you say, nope, I'm not going to do my own thing. And over time, maybe, what perhaps at one time you felt guilty for, felt a little bit of that, that part in your heart that tells you when you're doing something you know you're not supposed to be doing. And perhaps for you over time, like, if you thought about it and you think about it right now, you have to say, you know, I haven't felt bad about that in a long time. 
and we've got to consider the possibility, if that's you, it's not because God changed his mind on the issue. Right? It's not because he changed where he stands or what he said. God's words have never changed or always fulfilled. But maybe over time, your heart became harder. Maybe over time, your ears became dull of hearing. And in order to hear the voice of the wonderful counselor, you're going to have to start to choose obedience in those areas. There's a story, a great example of this in the scriptures. The guy, it's a pretty well-known story. Some of you are very familiar with it. Uh, of a guy who, who comes to the wonderful counselor, and Jesus gives him some advice, and to obey would cost him deeply. And he chooses not to. This wealthy man comes to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. And, and I think for some of us, maybe you can relate with this, right? Because this is a good guy. He's a very moral guy. Goes to church every Sunday, even gives probably a, a substantial amount of money to the church, but at some point in time, he decided, uh, he started finding his security, uh, his joy, um, his purpose in that comfort, in his things. And Jesus calls him on it. And, and Jesus asks him uh, something pretty big. And this is what it's, our story picks up, Mark chapter 10. Um, Jesus lists off some things, and this, this gentleman says, you know, I've done all these things since I was a boy. And in this moment... I love this. Get this. this is, look what Jesus says. Verse 21. It says that Jesus, Jesus looked at him in that moment and loved him. He loved him. Uh, just sit on that for a moment. All right? Jesus knows this guy's sickness. Jesus knows exactly where this guy is profoundly broken on the inside. And in this moment, Jesus is calling him to get rid of, he's going to call him to get rid of that. But even in the knowledge of just how screwed up this guy is. Jesus doesn't say, you punk. I can't believe you. I can't believe you struggle with that. If you were a good Christian, a good religious guy, you wouldn't struggle with that. So get, get it right. Get away from me. He doesn't say anything like that. In that moment, it says that Jesus loved him in his brokenness. Loved him in his I love that. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And this is huge for us because you've got to know, not only does the wonderful counselor know everything that you cannot know, but he loves you more than you could ever love yourself. And some of us, we love ourselves quite a bit. And a lot of us really struggle to love ourselves. And Jesus loves you more than you could ever love yourself. And because he looks at this man and he loves him, and because he loves him, um, he's going to tell him something that he doesn't want to hear. And, and that's something you've got to consider, is that as the wonderful counselor speaks in your life, because he loves you, he might tell you some things that you don't want to hear. He might tell you that you need to get out of that relationship. You need to stop dating them. Because it's not what he desires. Because it's, it's detrimental, it's destructive. And everything in you is like, no, I want this, I need this. I feel things I haven't felt in so long. That's not what you want to hear, but because he loves you, he's going to speak the truth into your life. Right, for some of you, uh, it's financially. But Jesus is going to call you to do some, some, some hard things that you don't want to hear. And Jesus might say to you, you know what? It's time to downsize. You don't need that house. You don't need all that stuff. You're not being generous towards me. You need to get something smaller or more affordable. Or you have debt, and as a result, it's killing you. And you're not being generous or faithful towards me. So you've got to move. And of course, that is not what any of us want to hear. 
but because he's the wonderful counselor, because he loves us and knows what we need, he speaks truth into our lives. For some of you, it's, you're living kind of a double life. And you have one person you are in, in the arena when everybody's looking, and then there's some realities in your life, this facade, who you are when nobody else is watching. And very slowly, it has made your heart very hard, and it's killing you, whether you realize it or not. It's an addiction. Of course, we don't call it that, right? In Christianity, we call them struggles, right? So we can feel better about habitual sin, right? But it's addiction, right? This thing that's been in your life for a very long time, and what you've got to realize, all right, for some of you, for some of you guys, for some of you gals, whether that's porn, whether that's a romance novel, <laughs> whatever that is, which is like, you know, women porn. Um, you got to realize, like, you're never going to have the marriage that the wonderful counselor wants for you, that you long for, until you come out with that. And you invite the wonderful counselor in. And I know that's not what you want to hear, but he loves you, and as a result, he's going to share with you even what you don't want to hear. For some of you, uh, that is a conversation that needs to take place that's been a long time coming. And maybe somebody hurt you, maybe they betrayed you, Maybe they wounded you deeply. And the last thing you want to do is have this conversation. But you know it's supposed to happen. And so you just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And you don't want to hear Jesus say, you need to have that conversation. You need to be the gracious one. You need to forgive them. You need to model grace. Because we're sick. But Jesus, the wonderful counselor, is going to call you to do that anyway. Here's what Jesus tells uh, the rich young man in verse 21, 22. He says, buddy... One thing you lack. He said, go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Just before we skip ahead, just, just sit there for a moment. Sell your house. Sell that car that you love. Sell everything in the man cave. Sell that, that cool hipster bike you were saving up for, the skinny jeans, all of it. Your Apple products, they all need to go. Sell them all, and then come follow me. I mean, that is, isn't that hard? And this is what he tells him. And at this, it tells us that at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Right? The wonderful counselor spoke, but he didn't want to hear it, and he wouldn't obey. Right? And just as a point of clarification, does that mean that you need to sell everything? Uh, probably not. But maybe, right? It's different for every person. Jesus says this to this particular man because the wonderful counselor knows him. He knows what he needs. And Jesus knows where he wants to take him. And so this is just a specific example of what God calls him to. And it tells us that he's sad and he, he left. Right? He cost him everything. He wouldn't, he wouldn't obey. Here's what I can promise you, all right? If you listen you will hear the wonderful counselor's voice. All right, this season, amidst the busyness, amidst the, the, the chaos and the stress and everything that comes with Christmas, oftentimes, if you listen, you will hear the wonderful counselor's voice. But it may not be what you want to hear. For me, with where I'm at, one of the things I did this week is sit down and articulate, write it down, what I felt like God was saying to me in this season, which, by the way, was really helpful. And I would encourage you to do that as a matter of practice, to write down, to put words to what you're feeling and what you're sensing and what God's stirring in you. Because the life's not going to slow down. Things are going to be really busy in between now and Christmas. 
And the truth is, you can come to church every day for the rest of your life and listen to me speak or somebody else and never know the wonderful counselor's voice. So I would challenge you to carve out a little space and actually write down what you're sensing, what you're hearing. For me, um, what I, I, I just sense that God is telling me in this season is slow down and trust me. Work smarter, work less, pray more. Guard your heart, guard your time with your family. Pay attention to how often you're laughing. Make sure it's often. Rest in the knowledge that I am God and you are not. And that is good news. Trust me, this is my church. This is my city. This is my world. I don't need you, but I'm sure glad to use you. So trust me. That's for me is what I just sense that God is calling me to. And so I'm moving there one day at a time in surrender, in obedience to the wonderful counselor. And one of the verses, and maybe for you, depending on where you find yourself, this is one of my verses in this season that, that God is, is really speaking to my heart in. And, and maybe as we get going into the Christmas season and we look at starting a new year, 2013 is almost here. Uh, this is a verse that you need to latch on to too, and it's Psalms 55:22. It says, cast all your cares on the Lord. And he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Mm. So good. What is the wonderful counselor saying to you in this season? What is he perhaps stirring in you right now? Put words to that. Write it down so you don't forget. Revisit it often. What are those things that maybe he's been nudging you on for a long time, but perhaps like me, you've minimized it, you've ignored it, Maybe you've just been flat-out disobedient. But what are those things? Whatever that is, all right? You're sick, I'm sick, we're all sick. Own it. Admit it. Invite the wonderful counselor into that and then respond to what he says. Let's pray. Father God, I, I, I thank you, wonderful counselor, that you speak even when I'm not listening. That even when I minimize and I run from you, that you pursue me still. And I thank you that that is true of every person in this room. I thank you that you care enough about us to speak, to move, to stir in us, to guide us as the wonder-filled guide to where we need to be so we can find healing. You, the wonderful counselor who who knows everything that we can never know, who sees everything that we can never see, and who loves us more than we can ever love ourselves, and who knows exactly what we need right now in this season. Speak, wonderful counselor. Speak to our hearts. Guide us and give us the courage to then obey and move forward. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.